Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Diane. And we are suburban moms trying to make room in our lives for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. We hope you'll join us on the journey to think more and do with less. Today we are talking about my favorite minimalist topic, capsule wardrobes. We've dedicated an entire episode to paring down your closet and starting a capsule wardrobe in episode eight. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, that's a great one to start with. It'll get you with a pared down closet and get you started with capsules. This conversation we will be having today is with Jennifer Mackie Mary of appleandpairwardrobe.com. She has been a wardrobe stylist for 17 years and focuses on helping moms simplify their style while still keeping it fun and functional. Jennifer will share her expert tips on how to create a fun and stylish capsule wardrobe that still suits our mama season of life, which is just seems so difficult so many days. <laughs> So we thought we would first start out with thanking all our raters and reviewers on iTunes, and Diane's going to read one for us. Yeah, this one is from Giggles by Three, one of my favorites to listen to. This was one of the first podcasts that I started listening to after another mom sent me here. It has led to so many other podcasts, books, and other like-minded people looking to simplify their lives. Thank you for helping this mama get through the day with the chaos of raising five kiddos, especially in the long Minnesota winters. So we're always happy that we can help, and we thank you for helping us with these show reviews. We don't know how the algorithm works. It just lets people find us. So get Absolutely. out there and review us. <laughs> five kids. My goodness. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> so I have our minimalist moment of the week. Now, this comes in the form of kind of an unexpected place. This was an out-of-office reply. And that's that thing where if you have a work email address, you're going to be out on vacation. You can set an auto-reply so that when everybody knows that you're gone and you won't respond right away. And I came across this in an article. This out-of-office reply said, Hi, I'm out of the office until insert relevant dates. When I get back, I will delete everything and set my inbox to zero. If you've sent me an email that I've yet to respond to, please resend upon my return. I thought that was fantastic. Wow. Who, who could have thought that you could do that? Like, that's just one of those things where I thought, wait a minute, I can just tell people that I'm not going to even pay attention to what came in. And maybe she left her vacation at inbox zero and decided well, I'm going to come back at inbox zero and just start with what I think is important and you can reach me after that. So it's number one, kind of ballsy if I yeah, can use so that word. <laughs> and number two, refreshing because then she doesn't have to spend the time to go through everything and figure out what's relevant and what's not. If any of you have ever been out on vacation at work, you come back and literally nothing has been done of your job. And you got to try to sort through all those emails to figure out what's already been completed or isn't relevant anymore. I just think that's genius. So there's an idea for you guys. I love that. So I have the minimalist resource of the week this week, and it's a book that I've actually just started. It's called Sabbath, Finding Rest, Renewal, and Delight in Our Busy Lives by Wayne Mueller. And it is a Christian book, but I think that anyone that is just spiritual or even 
if you're not spiritual, I think you could take a lot away from it. So I would highly recommend this book so far. And I'm, like I said, I'm about halfway through it. So yeah, it sounds great. Yeah. We wanted to give you an update from our minimalist beauty episode. If you recall, Diane said that she had donated her clothing to a women's shelter because it directly affected the people living there versus not being sure if the thrift stores around us are for-profit or non-profit. And we got a great email from Carrie Richmond who wanted to tell us about the Salvation Army. She says, I was listening to your most recent podcast and wanted to give you some clarification with the Salvation Army. I can't speak to other thrift store organizations in town, but definitely can speak about the SA. It is true that donors help us by bringing items to sell. The money raised from those items goes back to fund programs the Salvation Army does. This could be for their shelter, if the community has one, or financial assistance to help pay for utility and light bills for needy families and individuals. One thing you may not realize, however, is that we also give clothing and housewares, even furniture, free of charge. Individuals and families can come into our social services offices and request clothing. A voucher is given, and they can take that to our thrift store to get what they need. In our location, if there is a fire or flood, they are eligible for furniture assistance as well. I just wanted to clarify for you that donating to the Salvation Army to the thrift store means that you can help someone indirectly or directly. Thank you so much for that email, Carrie. Sometimes it's really hard to get the correct information or just very specific information like that. It's great to know that we can donate to the Salvation Army. And I also know because I have worked for Volunteers of America in their marketing department that they also do the same thing. So if there is a specifically Salvation Army or Volunteers of America thrift store, then you know it is going to both indirectly and directly help those in need. Thank you so much for that. All right. Well, on to our interview with Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're here. I am so excited to talk about capsule wardrobes with someone who knows what they're talking about. (laughs) As just kind of a style enthusiast myself, I am by no means a stylist, but I am very passionate about keeping your wardrobe minimal And I've had a ton of questions as I write about this or blog about this from women who just get caught up on the style portion of that. And I've kind of seen two different camps in this regard. There's what I'm going to call the fashionista, the woman who loves to buy clothes, loves shopping, usually has an overabundance of clothes, and their biggest issue is paring it down. Or finding staples, not spending on the lower quality people, lower quality pieces, but finding higher quality style without breaking the budget. And then we also have the, I'm going to call it passionista or woman who's more focused on what she's doing. She's driven either raising her kids or working, whatever she's passionate about. She's not really too focused on clothing. So she has fewer clothes in her closet and just needs a little help with creating those outfits or figuring out what she needs to buy. So let's dive in to that really tough question I know that everybody asks, how do I find my style? Oh, well, 
that is a that's a tough question and i think it really starts by looking at your closet and looking at what you love to wear every woman inherently has a uniform if left to dress if you didn't have to dress up for work or you didn't have to dress a certain way to go somewhere what would you like to wear and i think that you can start to pull out your signature style out of some of those pieces for instance some women are really going to be into dresses some women are really going to be into jeans that's sort of the basis of your signature style and then you look at specific pieces that that you know if someone were to ask about you and what's your style, what would people say? Um, when I was working for Chico's, I walked into one of my stores and one of the girls said, oh, we just got this great new watch in. It's totally a gen watch. And I realized that <laughs> big watches were kind of my signature thing. And I didn't even realize it. So, you know, what do you keep buying over and over that you love, not just things that you just keep cheap but what is it you love to buy and love to wear and that's the basis for creating a signature style oh that's fantastic now i know i was so excited about jumping into that question i didn't even ask you to tell us about your background tell us about where you came from and how you got to this point all right well i um fashion was never my intention i wasn't a little girl who loved to dress up in frilly clothes i always loved clothes but i have a really challenging body to dress so my entire youth and teen years and and early 20s were spent thinking that style wasn't really for me. Um, even though I like to shop, my family shopped like it was a sport and we were the reigning world champions. <laughs> I, I always struggled with it. And my early career was spent in the restaurant industry. And in 19, 2000, 2001, I traded food, food for fashion and I went to work mm -hmm. for Chico's opening new stores with, for them. And on the very first day that I went to work for Chico's, for everyone is teaching the four body types. Mm -hmm. So what I learned my first day of work was that my body was not weird or malformed and I didn't need to just lose weight to, you know, be able to fit into all the things that my friends were wearing. It was just one of the four body types. It's not strange. It's just a different choice. It's not the most common, but there you go. And from that moment, I was absolutely hooked because I felt released from this feeling like style wasn't for me. All of a sudden I realized it's not me, it's the pants. If mm. I just change the pants that I'm buying, all of a sudden this whole style world is for me. And it was just a revelation. And I loved my time at Chico's. We didn't have mirrors in the fitting rooms. And every woman that I tell that to just kind of recoils in horror, like how awful would that be? But how many times do you go to a store and you take a whole armload of stuff in there. Nothing looks right. You don't want to get dressed and go back out. No one comes to check on you and you just leave empty handed and sad. That never mm. happened because women had to come out and look in the big mirror. And we were always standing there to help. And I could say, okay, this body needs a shorter jacket. This body needs a wider pant. This one needs a longer necklace. And it was really sort of my, my body type and styling education matching a specific body to specific clothing and really making it individual. Hmm. And after I, after I left Chico's, I went to um, a chain of high-end fashion boutiques as their training director. And that was, that was sort of the other side of it. It wasn't just because, you know, it was the biggest size I think we carried was like an eight or a 10. So it was not about dressing every woman. It was about high fashion and that was fun. And it was a fashion education. After I left there, I went to get maternity and mm. I, yes. Yeah, so I have literally dressed women at 
every stage of life from the young party girl who's buying the premium denim and the crop tops to the pregnant lady crying in the fitting room because nothing works to, <laughs> to the woman whose body has changed. 60s. So I've literally seen it all. And um, after my first daughter was born, I stayed home. And like a lot of stay-at-home moms, I needed something to get out of the house. So I decided direct sales would be a great, great idea. It is not for me. It was not a good fit. I, I am so enamored of women who are really good at that because I was not. But when I would do these jewelry parties, women would say to me, can you shop with me? Because I would teach them how to dress their body type with jewelry. Who needs a longer necklace? Who could benefit from a shorter earring? You know, the magic of bracelets and a three-quarter length sleeve. And women would say, can you shop with me? Can you come do my closet? And it took me a long time to realize they weren't feeding my ego they were asking for help. Um, and one day it hit me like, oh, wait, no, this is a business. So I jumped in and literally 50 bucks, I paid someone on Craigslist to create a logo. And with another $50, I created my own website, which, which was just ugly and horrific. But I had no idea, no idea. Five years later, here I am having served hundreds and hundreds of women and, and helped thousands of women go through their closets and cut out the clutter and build wardrobes that really work for them. Oh, that's so wonderful, inspiring, both on the side of you as a woman taking control and blazing your own path. I always love to hear that, but also that you have experience in talking to women of all different sizes and shapes and phases of life, which, as you know, we are a mommy podcast, so we are so interested in talking with you today about moms and how it's just difficult to, with all the changes in your body mm-hmm. constantly, it seems like monthly, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just always different. So how about we jump into that question? How with changing body shape and size from being pregnant to then nursing and then maybe going back down to not quite what you were before baby weight to then maybe getting pregnant again, how... And I know this is a huge question, but how do women navigate that? Yeah, that is a really challenging time for women. And actually this year, I've been speaking to moms groups about how to dress your body in transition. And I ask is, who here has a body in transition? And literally every hand goes up. You know, when you are in that having a baby, postpartum, maybe having a baby phase, it can last for years. And you feel like you can't invest in a wardrobe. Um, You can't make any long-term clothing decisions. And to that I say, don't. Don't make long-term clothing decisions. The number one thing women can do in that phase is buy less. Buy Mm -hmm. less stuff. I find that women feel like, I need 10 t-shirts. I need five pairs of jeans. I need 10. No, you don't. You really don't need that much stuff. And that way, when you're transitioning through all these different sizes, if you have to pack something up for a couple of years, if you have to get rid of something because you've outgrown it one way or the other, it's not so painful if you're only getting rid of two dresses and three tops and two pairs of pants. So the number one thing I can I can say is buy less, but at the same time, buy with intention. Things that go together, perhaps the wardrobe, but things that go together are going to do so much more than just buying random pieces. And you're going to feel better at whatever stage you're in. I think one of the challenges is we just sort of get into this phase like, well, I'm postpartum. It doesn't matter how I look. And then what starts this whole 
what I like to call the frump slump where you don't like the way you look. So you don't go anywhere and you don't go anywhere. So then you stay home and you don't like the way you look and it kind of gets to this really yucky place. And I believe that by dressing well, even if you're not dressing up, you can fight that front slump and you can like the way you look no matter what stage you're in. So again, I think it's buying less stuff, buying with intention and putting some style and effort into it, no matter where you are in the transitional phase. Oh, I love that. Preach it. <laughs> you can, <laughs> if you dress well, you feel well. You just yes, feel you so much better about yes, yourself. You I love that. And it doesn't have to be dressy. You, you no. don't have to equate it with it, – it literally means putting on maybe a cute tunic top over your leggings versus a ratty T-shirt, right? Absolutely. We are living for women in fashion in the greatest time in history with athleisure. Like you don't have to choose now if you want to be cute or comfortable. You can do both. Now, granted, it's not about just wearing your leggings until they get holy and your T-shirts are faded and stained. It does require a little bit of effort, but there's such great stuff out there that you can go to the park in, that you can breastfeed in, that you can do your whole mom thing in and still feel good about the way you, about the way you look. Yeah. What are some of those pieces? You threw out a few examples, but tell us some of the pieces that you feel work really well for say moms who are home full time with their kids. I am a huge fan of in this, in the winter and in the fall, um, with leggings and even going into spring. I did Dressember. Are you familiar with Dressember? Yeah. It's a a fundraising and awareness initiative in the month of December where you pledge to wear dresses every single day for 31 days. And it's a challenge. It's really a challenge not to throw on the jeans, not to, you know, default to that. But when I did it, I, I think I had like five dresses, a few pairs of leggings and a couple of cardigans. Everywhere I went, people said, you're always so put together. You're always so dressed up. And I was like, I'm in pajamas basically, right? Cause they were all <laughs> these knit dresses and leggings. I was, I've never been more comfortable yet more put together. Mm. So for me, it's, it's dresses and leggings it, going into the, the springtime leggings get a little bit hot. Um, I love like the athletic skorts. Skorts are just a genius invention for mm. women who go to the park and have to bend over. Um, so I love, you know, skorts and cute tanks, things like that. There's so much out there. If you like that leggings and tunic look, that is, that's revolutionary for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Now you, you just mentioned briefly that you, people would say to you like, Oh, you always look so together and always, so nice. Have you, in your experience, because this is one of the things that people tell me if they're, say, a fashionista and they just can't fathom the idea of paring down their wardrobe, they think, number one, that it will be boring and neutral. And number two, that everybody will notice that they're wearing the same things all the time. Can you address that in your experience? Absolutely. So first of all, I think capsule wardrobes are one way to build a wardrobe. They're not the only way. And I do hear from a lot of women, oh, I could never have, I think my current capsule guide has 32 pieces in it. I could never just have 32 pieces. For a lot of women, getting dressed is more of an artistic expression. And them being limited feels really constraining. And for those women, maybe a capsule wardrobe isn't 
the right choice. But I think always doing a little bit more with less is, is a great option. As far as capsule wardrobes being boring, I think every great wardrobe is built on neutral basics. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're doing a capsule or not. The far, you have to have these great neutral basics from which to build everything else on. A capsule wardrobe just relies on those a little bit more heavily. Um, it can be boring. If you don't put color in there, if you don't put pattern in there, if you don't put, you know, fun and interesting pieces, it can all be really, really neutral. My current capsule has not a drop of black. Um, I think it has one light gray cardigan. It is all navy and white and pink and floral and stripes. Like it is not boring at all. But all the pieces were designed to go together. So what most women do is they buy some basic bottoms and then they go out and they buy fun tops, right? Just oh, your patterns, your colors, the more of that stuff you have, the more you actually need to have because you do feel like you're wearing the same thing all the time. But if you build a wardrobe on those neutral basics and then pepper in the patterns, the colors, the fun pieces, and they work together, you don't feel like you're wearing the same thing all the time because you can change it up and it's not boring at all. So it's just a matter of how you do the capsule versus just buying a whole bunch of black and gray and wearing it together because it matches. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. And I have found, too, that, number one, people do not pay as much attention to what you wear as what they're thinking about what yes. they're wearing. <laughs> yes, yes. I had I had one client a few years ago, and she hired me. She worked with um, a bunch of younger people and men who were very into fashion, and they would say to her, you wore that dress three weeks ago. Cool. And so she would, yes, she would go to work every day are they going to notice my outfit? What are they going to say? That's the only person I've ever come across in five years and, you know, hundreds of clients of doing this. Nobody else pays attention to, to what you're wearing. Can you tell what your friend was wearing last time you had lunch together? No, probably not. Probably mm -hmm. not. And, you know, some of the greatest minds in the world wear the same thing every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't wear a gray hoodie because he can't afford more clothes. He wears that gray hoodie every single day because he wants to take out the choice. He wants to think about bigger things. He wants to focus his energies on things other than what to wear. So he, you know, he takes capsule to a whole new level. But there are a lot of people, uh, President Obama only wore navy and gray suits because he didn't want to spend time thinking about what to wear. And, you know, gaining that time back and that mental energy is a great thing and, and is a great benefit of having a, a well-curated smaller wardrobe. Mm, absolutely. As a mom, we have so many different roles. We can we work, we're at home with the kids on the weekends, maybe we go to church, or we have date nights out or girls' night out. How do we, with a fewer pieces, uh, manage a wardrobe for all of those occasions? You have to kind of look at each activity that you do and sort of give it a rating in, in the level of formality, right? So... I have this life where I could pretty much wear the same thing all the time. My husband and I don't go out for super fancy dates. You know, I might dress up my jeans and top a little bit. Um, speaking engagement, I might dress up a little bit. But in general, things are pretty close together. That is easier to, to pare down your wardrobe considerably. It is when you go from, you know, staying home with little kids to fancy dinners out that you're going to have more distinct wardrobes. I, I had a few years ago 
And her biggest goal was that she wanted one wardrobe that went everywhere with her. And this is the most extreme example I've ever seen. But she was the the marketing manager for an internet company um, by day. That was her job. It was the mid-executive level. On the weekend, she and her husband owned a hobby goat farm. No. (laughs) Okay. There is no wardrobe that can take you from to both places, right? So in that case, you sort of have to figure out where do you spend the most time and put most of your clothing resources there. So if you're a stay-at-home mom and you live nine to five or, you know, nine to five, what stay-at-home mom works nine to five. But if you're home all day long with kids, the majority of your wardrobe should be for that. And if you go out a couple of nights a week, you need a couple of outfits for that. I had another client I worked with recently and she was, she was working from home. She was starting her own business and she needed a few outfits for networking. And so we went through and she wanted a very minimal wardrobe. And what we discovered was 40% of pants were only really appropriate for these work events. And then she was struggling to get dressed the rest of the time. So wherever you're spending your, the majority of your time needs to be where you're spending the majority of your resources. And if they're really separate, if they're really disparate and in, terms of formality and you can't mix them up, then you just have to have two little distinct wardrobes that you wear place to place. Mm -hmm. So where would you suggest that, and this may be a different, difficult question because it might be different for everyone, but where would you suggest finding or even recognizing those staple pieces? How do we know if, we need to splurge on higher quality or if we can get away with something that may, be, may not be as important that it's lesser quality? I think one important thing you can, well, all right, let me start first of all with bottom from the waist down show quality more. So you can pair a $5 t-shirt with a $100 pair of jeans and look like a million bucks. The mm. reverse is not true. Ah. So as a general rule, I think women should be spending more money on bottoms and shoes than they are and less money on tops than they are. Mm. Tops wear out quicker. Um, They are less trend proof. You know, I get asked, I don't know, two or three times a week where to find a great quality white T-shirt that's not see-through that will last forever. You know, your cheap white tee is going to get stained the same way as your $100 white tee. So it's not really a good use of of wardrobe resources, that really perfect gene that makes you look and feel like a million bucks, that's where you put the money. So I think in general, that's a great place to start. The other thing is, again, where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your time? I had a client years ago and she, she rode horses for a living. That's what she did. And she would spend she was telling me we're like $120 each. And that to me is a lot of money for a hoodie because I never wear them. However, that's what she wore five days a week. So that was a good investment. So again, you need to spend your money where you spend your time. And for stay-at-home moms who are hanging out all day long, that's probably, I know it's kind of counterintuitive to what we think that, oh, I'll just wear cheap yoga pants, cheap t-shirts. No, that's where you should be spending spending your resources. Oh, you know? that makes and, so much sense. Mm-hmm. Anything that's a, a, a trend, a high trend, in my opinion, should be cheap, cheap, cheap. Okay. I, I, that does make sense, and that does kind of solve the dilemma. You you just solved the ultimate, like, where can I find a quality T-shirt, that last question. The answer is T-shirts are kind of disposable, even though we don't yeah. necessarily want to use them that way. It's just the nature of the item of clothing. Yeah. 
So that makes complete sense to me. And I do the very same thing. I spend, it, sound, it even sounds horrible to like admit, I spend over $100 on my jeans. Yeah. I buy them from Madewell because I found a cut that works really well with my body. I feel really great in them and they last a long time. And if they get a hole or a tear, it just happened to me. My zipper broke. They replaced it for free. So it, yeah, it has been so worth the investment for me. I live in them and same with shoes. Like I have a pair, a pair of shoes, boots that I wore all winter through are waterproof and I spent a good amount of money on them. For, because I knew I would be living in them, but yes, tops opposite, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever's cute and will look good that season, or maybe I, I might get th- three max, three seasons max out of uh, a top because they start to pill and I buy natural fabrics, so they naturally break down. Well, and I think, you know, everyone's so concerned with where do I buy quality? Where do I buy I would love to give the answer to that, but the answer these days is it's really hard. Mm. It's really hard. It used to be that if you spent a little bit more money, you'd get better quality. All of our t-shirts now get those little holes right at the, um, you know, right around the button, your jean button. And that is the nature of the fabric that's used now. It's, mm. it's not just this heavy, thick, sturdy cotton. It's, it's mixed with bamboo, lyocell, modal. It's not just a heavy cotton thing. And even if you spend twice as much on the top, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get this piece that's going to last you forever. Mm. So, you know, bottoms, again, your black p- pants are pretty trend-proof. Spend. You know, your jeans, pretty trend-proof. Spend on those. Mm. Oh, that's so great. This is so exciting. <laughs> So, um, okay. So we're talking about our mama life and how some of us mamas may have had a few babies. We might be getting, oh, let's see, a little older and we're wondering, hmm, the things that we wore before baby or when we were first married or even before we were married don't maybe seem quite fitting anymore. Can you maybe address a little bit about age appropriateness and, you know, are high-waisted jeans and crop tops something we should be looking at? Or (laughs) how should we, I should say, dress trendy but without looking like we're trying to be a teenager? First of all, I think that in the quest not to look too young, most women are going too far the other way and looking much older than they need to. Mm -hmm. I don't find that at least with my clients who are in their early 30s to early 40s, that they want to wear the crop tops, I find that I have to pull like the frumpy sweaters out of their hands, right? Mm. But I do think if you want to wear high-waisted and you're a mom of four and you look in the mirror and you think, dang, I look really good, then you should wear the high-waisted jeans and the crop top. Rock on. Nice. But when someone says to me, am I too old to wear? And I say, don't even finish the sentence because when you ask that question, the answer is yes. Right? It doesn't matter. If you're wondering, the answer is yes. And it has nothing to do with the item. It has to do with your confidence in it. I was reading reviews on, it was the Zara website last year. There were these really, really cute tweed winter, like short shorts. And I was like, oh, those are cute. And I was reading reviews because I read reviews like a crazy person. And one of the reviews was from a woman and it started, I'm in my 80s. 
Okay. <laughs> Zara is not for women in her 80s, right? But so I'm in my 80s. I wore these with black tights, um, you know, my Chanel flats, a black sweater, and lots of pearls. And I could just see this, like, fashionable 80-year-old woman rocking the so I think, I think if you feel confident in it, then by all means, you should do it. But if you put it on and you're like, ooh, can I still pull this off? I don't like the way this looks. Then it's time to break up with it. Mm-hmm. And there comes a point in a woman's life where she needs to change the store she's going to. I had a client the other night, and she was kind of stuck before babies she had been shopping at Express almost exclusively. And then she had this like five-year baby gap, right? Where, I mean, it's just kind of like this black hole of time when you're in that new baby, am I going to have another, all that. So now she's out of that and she goes, I don't, I don't know where to shop anymore. Express isn't um, appropriate. I don't feel like I'm ready for Talbots. Like, where do you go? And I think recognizing that when you come out of that baby black hole, that little kid black hole, that yes, things may have changed and you just sort of, you know, walk around and sort of reevaluate. What is it you like? Just start trying things. Just start trying. Mm. Oh, that's great advice. Great advice. So for those who hate shopping and this doesn't make sense to me, but I have been told that these people exist, (laughs) that there are people who, and I understand not having time, there's also that factor. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has time uh, with your busy mama life. But for those who aren't a big fan of shopping, what would you recommend? Okay, first of all, I don't understand those people either. <laughs> I do not get those people. I think I mentioned that my family shopped recreationally. Oh, yeah. The world champions. We actually stopped at the mall on the way home. We'd picked my mom up. She'd had my little sister. We stopped at the mall on the way home from the hospital. Like that's the level of dedication to shopping wow. my family had. Yeah, and she bought a baby carrier and a lipstick. And I, I forever will love my mother for buying a lipstick with her three day old baby. And by the way, it was winter. So we were really dedicated to the shopping. But um shopping is a it's a necessary evil for those women because you can't just not shop. You have to have clothes, you have to have things that fit you, and it's nice if you can have things that fit and flatter. My best advice for those women is shop less often but buy more things. Okay. It it is the hard getting to the mall is the hard part. Right? It's making time to go, making a childcare plan. What are you going to do? Don't do that to be there for an hour and find two things. Stay and commit for two or three hours, three or four hours, really three to four hours once per season should do it Hmm. and have a plan. So many women walk into the mall and they don't know what they need and they don't know what they want. And they're hoping something's just going to reach out and say, bring me home. It doesn't work like that. They're indecisive. They get frustrated and then they leave empty handed and they hate shopping more. So have a plan less often, buy more stuff. Okay. How about online shopping? Is that a good option for people or is that more of a problem because you spend more time maybe returning or keeping the things that you didn't quite work? Online shopping is just becoming a necessary thing that we have to do. Sometimes I play a game when I'm shopping with my clients and I'll say, how many times will I hear the words, we don't have it in store, but we can order it for you. Mm. Stores are carrying less and less and less and less. So it's becoming a necessity to shop online and you just have to do it smart. Again, 
having a list of what you need, having a plan. If all you need for the season is two pairs of jeans and three tops, you have no business in the clearance section of that website putting a little floaty dress that you might like in there. There's, you don't need to do that. You can mess up your wardrobe online just like you can even easier than you can in the stores. And a lot of us will put things in our cart that we don't need to get free shipping. I see that all this t-shirt but you know i wanted to buy it to get free shipping don't do that don't do that find either buy two sizes of something that you're unsure of that you're going to buy anyway and then return one or just pay the shipping it's not worth it to add more things to your wardrobe um, the returning you know with sizes being all over the place it, there's just no way around it when i'm in store with a client you know we can go back and forth from a size 10, a size 12, a size 10 petite, a size 12 petite, looking for that perfect fit. And even within a size range in a store, if I have a client who's between a medium and a large and a top, let's say, I will grab every medium and every large because every one is going to fit a little differently. Mm. So there's no way to avoid that online shopping. You're just going to have to do the return. Gotcha. But again, have a plan. Okay. So you, you keep talking about your clients. Um, mm-hmm. When... I would say that most people are not experienced with having a stylist or a personal shopper. Um, what does that look like? How do you go about obtaining one? <laughs> and what is the kind of the price range of what you're looking at for your services? The way to find one, I think, would first of all, if you have like a neighborhood group uh, or some kind of online community where you can ask for referrals, you're probably, that's your best bet to start off. I get a lot of referrals from our kind of county women's group. Um, If not, Google is a good place to start. You can see if there's somebody in your area. The cost is going to vary depending on the service that they provide and the area that you're in. I live in a little bit higher cost of living area. So my services, if I were to move to, you know, a, a much, much cheaper place, my pri- my prices would not fly there. So I think about $100 an hour, give or take, for cost of living is probably looking at. And, you know, when do you know if it's time to hire a stylist? If you can go in your closet and pull out enough stuff that you bought that was wrong to justify that price, it's time to hire a stylist. Oh. If you've got if you've got clothes worth $500 that still have tags on them in your closet, a stylist would have been a much better plan. Gotcha. You know, or when you don't have the time to do it, or when it's just not coming together for you. If you have spent so much time shopping and returning and shopping and returning, and you don't like the way you look, sometimes it's just time to get an outsider's perspective on it. Somebody that doesn't know you, doesn't have an attachment to your clothing, um, doesn't have any of the shopping hangups that you might have, is just a fresh pair of eyes and a clean slate. Mm -hmm. That's great, and if you, if say someone doesn't have the budget for that, um, when earlier, when you're talking about going shopping, I was thinking taking a friend that can evaluate like, yeah, you're right. That doesn't quite look good on you or like coming out of the, uh, I don't know if you would recommend that or not. In certain cases I do. What happens is that it devolves into just a girl's day out. Um, You know, I recommend always having a partner with you when you shop for jeans. So when I shop with a client, she stays in the fitting room and 
I'm the one running back and forth, grabbing different sizes, grabbing different styles. You know, I always say to her, you can sit and text, whatever, do what you want to do. But she doesn't have to get dressed. So when you're shopping like that, having somebody just to run and get more stuff is super helpful. The challenge is, oh, that's cute. And oh, that is good for you are two very different things. So if there isn't a stylist in your area or you can't afford one, then yeah, a friend is better, but it really has to be, okay, you're here to help me. Next week we'll go shopping and I will help you. It's not, we're both shopping at the same time because then let's buy fun things and not actual help. That's a very good point. I could definitely see that happening, Mm -hmm. getting distracted by Mm -hmm. the coffee shop or whatever, (laughs) whatever else you're going to candle store. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. So, oh, well, thank you so much for being with us today and talking to us about style and capsule wardrobes. Where can people find you online? They can find me online, uh, Facebook and Instagram, Apple and Pear Wardrobe, and just spell it all out. All right. Great. Anything else you'd like to add? No, but I do have a special download for your listeners of five pieces every casual wardrobe must have. We talked about, you know, kind of those pieces to splurge on. These are five really good ones. And I think, are they linked? Will be linked in your show notes? Yes, we can do that. Absolutely. We can do that. So um, it's tips on how to buy them, where to buy them, what to look for. And these are the five things that you have to have before buying anything else. Awesome. Great. Well, we were absolutely link to that. And we just thank you so much for being on here. It was so great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I don't know about you ladies, but I have come away with this conversation so encouraged about number one, where I'm spending my money. And now I know a smart way to go find those staple wardrobe pieces that fit my mom life. Let us know if you feel the same way and continue the conversation on our website, minimalistmomspodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Minimalist Moms Podcast. If you'd like to receive our show notes via email where that awesome download from Jennifer will be, then you can text the word minimalist to 444 999 and you will be put on our email list so that will just show up in your email inbox and you will never miss an episode from us thank you for joining up on this journey we wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less